Amen. There is something about music that can express a beauty and a gratitude that you can't express just speaking. And I think we just saw that in a beautiful way, right? Will you join me in prayer? Almighty God, thank you. Thank you so much for today. Thank you for this place and this body of Christ that can gather together and worship you, especially worshiping your Son, our Savior, Jesus. So Lord, I pray this morning that you would speak to each and every one of our hearts and minds, that you'll open our hearts and minds to understand what Christmas truly means to us, that we can grow in you and that we can point others to you. And so, Lord, we thank you, we praise you, and we lift all of this in the name of our Lord and our amazing, loving Savior, Jesus. Amen. Good morning and Merry Christmas. Um, I want you to take your Bibles or your apps or whatever you read on and go ahead and turn to the book of Isaiah chapter 9, the book of Isaiah. If you don't have a uh, Bible or an app with you, uh, there are Bibles in the back of the pews. Grab one of those. If you're not familiar with where Isaiah is located in the Bible, don't worry. There are 66 different books in this, uh, and it is totally understandable to not understand where Isaiah might be. So here's my recommendation. Open up to the table of contents. Isaiah is in the big section called the Old Testament. Old Testament. Uh, And you'll want to flip to whatever page that is. If you want a little hint, if you go to the middle, you'll hit somewhere around Psalms. Just keep going forward, uh, and you'll end up hitting Isaiah because Isaiah is a huge book. It's really hard to miss. So, Isaiah chapter 9. And as you're turning there, let me tell you about a Christmas story from my own life. It actually happened on this day eight years ago. I have a nine-year-old son named Knox. Now... Do the math, Knox was one year old, and we decided to travel from Lake Havasu City, Arizona, to Texas, Texas Panhandle around Amarillo, where my family's from. It was in total a 15-hour drive if you didn't stop. Now, we had a one-year-old, so stopping was part of the game. So a 15-hour trip became a 21-hour trip. And so the reason being is the morning of the travel, the, the morning we got up to go, we got up, we packed Knox, and Jana goes, babe, Knox seems a little warm to me. And I went, oh, he's fine. Get him in the car. Let's go. And so I made the, the boneheaded decision to go ahead and, and move forward. So we hop in the car. We start traveling. Um, it's getting late at night. It's really cold. We're driving through northern Arizona, uh, close to the New Mexico state line, up in the mountain part of of Arizona. We're traveling along, and Knox starts getting really fussy. He starts crying, and we can't get him to calm down. So Jana climbs into the back seat, and she's sitting there calming him. And and she had leaned around to where she could could take care of him, and he all of a sudden went, and just everything came out. Luckily for us, we were one exit away from a huge truck stop. So I get off the highway, I go into the truck stop, I hop out of the car, and I'm taking care of the baby. Janice cleaning herself off. We go into the bathroom, get everything taken care of, and we're back on the road. Jana goes, I think I'm going to drive this time. I said, okay, that sounds like a good plan. And so we get about 30 minutes. We're getting into some snow. It's starting to snow. It's actually really beautiful. And Knox starts crying again. And I thought, I'll hop back there. So I hopped back there, and I made the decision. Don't, if you're in law enforcement, I apologize right now. 
But in that moment, I took Knox out of his car seat for just a moment to hold him close to try and comfort him. Because I thought, oh, he's just got a stomach ache. He just needs to feel someone close to him. So I held him up to me and I grabbed him close and kind of warmed him up. And he calmed down for a minute. And then all of a sudden, he, he pushed himself away from me and looked at me and went, Whoa! I don't know where that came from. I thought he had gotten it out at the last exit. I don't know what God did to give him more stuff in his belly, but it was there. Well, this time around, we were not near any kind of exit. There was nowhere to pull over. There was nothing we could do. Jana goes, what do you want me to do, Chad? And I said, just pull over. I'm covered in God knows what. Uh, just just pull over, babe. And so she pulls over. She runs over. She grabs Knox. And Knox was great. He, he was completely clean. Got nothing on him. Um, so she's cleaning his mouth a little bit. And I stand up and I'm thinking, what am I going to do? I'm literally covered. And so I ran over. I popped the hatch on our SUV, grabbed my suitcase, opened it up. And in the blistering snow, I changed clothes right there. And in that moment, I asked the question, why am I doing this? Have you ever had a Christmas that you went, oh, Jesus, why do I do this? Maybe those Christmases are regular for you. Maybe you look forward to Christmas and you go, oh, there's going to be a part of this that's going to be really tough. Maybe when you had kids and you traveled, guys, let's be honest for a minute, traveling with kids is no easy thing, right? But maybe you've had wonderful Christmas memories. Maybe you've had not so great Christmas memories. So I want to ask the question this morning, why Christmas? Why do we celebrate this holiday? Beyond all the cultural expectations, beyond the presents uh, and the travel and the music and the decorating, uh, beyond the, the Christmas trees and the, the food, why do we actually celebrate Christmas. What's the point? Well, I want you to take your Bibles and turn to that passage that I told you to turn to. Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to look at verse 6. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Now, Isaiah, if you know anything about Isaiah, Isaiah was an Old Testament prophet, uh, lived several hundred years before Jesus, and he wrote a lot wrote a lot of prophecies about the coming Messiah, and this is one of them. So Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, read along with me. It says, For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of peace. This is one of the many, many prophecies that Isaiah tells about the coming Messiah. But I think this one, of course, is so appropriate for this season. Remember my question is, why do we celebrate Christmas? This verse, this one line tells us the why. And we want to look at this today. So before I go any further, let me give you my big idea. Why do we celebrate Christmas? According to this passage right here, because Christmas is hope. Christmas is a message of hope to us, a lost people, a people that are desperately in need of hope. 
Christmas is that message of hope. So look with me again at Isaiah 9-6 and look at the first line. It says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. Now most of the time, the birth of a child is a, a time of good news. I can tell you right now, the day my boys were born were both life-changing moments in my life. Life-changing in a beautiful, godly, good way. So for this people to hear, to have that opening statement of, to us a child is born, to us a son is given, that right there, right out the gate, is a beautiful message of hope. Because children, especially in this day and time, were hopeful. Now, it continues on. It says this, And the government will be on his shoulders. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but let me just say, our hope is not in a red or blue thing. A donkey or an elephant or whatever animal, whatever you want to assign there. Our hope is not in a government, guys. Our hope is in the life-saving hope, the life-changing hope of Jesus. There is nothing more saving than what Jesus came and did for us on this planet. And there's nothing that has ever been or that will ever come that will be as hopeful and as full of promise as was Jesus. The government is on His shoulders He'll do what He pleases. It's not our place to judge what His purpose is. It's our place to follow His direction and His path for our lives and to do what He calls us to do. And so, look with me at the names that are given now. Continue in verse 6. And He will be called Wonderful Counselor. Isn't that a beautiful name? Wonderful Counselor. In this terminology, it's somebody who comes along and helps guide you. It's someone that comes along and helps you in a time when you may feel lost or a time when you may feel confused. I don't know about you, but there are many times in my life when I've needed a wonderful counselor. We all go through those difficult, trying times. You see, for some... Christmas could be a time of joy, but it may also be a time of pain and sorrow. Christmas can be very difficult for some. In November of 2011, I unexpectedly lost my father. 58 years old, no one saw it coming. It was November, and then we had to turn around a month and a half later and celebrate Christmas without him. He was the cornerstone of our family. He was that rock that everyone looked to. He was the guy that brought joy to so many of us. And that first Christmas was so painful. It was so full of sorrow. But at the same time, please hear me on this, at the same time, it was so redeeming. Because that was a time when my family gathered together and through recognizing Jesus as our Savior and as the Savior of my Father, we were able to sit down and also remember the legacy that my father had left behind. It was not easy. It was very, very painful. But believe me, in that time, that particular Christmas, 
I leaned heavily on this name right here, Wonderful Counselor. Hear me, if you are going through a difficult time, and I know many of you are, I know many of you are dealing with sorrow and loss, Jesus wants to be that wonderful counselor to bring you the peace and the comfort that you're so desperately looking for. Lean in to his counselorship. Let him be that wonderful counselor in your life. Look with me at the next name. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Isn't that amazing? Think about this for a second. For a moment, God himself came to this earth as a child. What a message of hope. What a message of hope that God himself would come to us. He loves each and every one of us so much that he was willing to experience the life that we live. He didn't send somebody in his place, which he could have done. He sent himself. That's how much God loves each and every one of us. He was willing to come in person and live a life to teach us hope. Look at the next name. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. You see, back in this day and time, a father was a protector. He was a provider. And God wants to be that in your life as well. And I don't know what father figures you have. Some of you, I'm sure, have amazing fathers. And you can look back and you can go, okay, yeah, God as my father, I get that. Because my dad was amazing. And then there are some of you I know that whose fathers were not great. As a matter of fact, when you think of a father, you don't think good things. You think bad things. Guys, I've had both experiences. My biological father was not exactly a role model. I will say this, God has redeemed his life in a beautiful way today. But when I was a child, it wasn't like that. But then my stepdad, the one that I referenced to just a few moments ago, my stepdad was an amazing man of God. And he was an example to me. He was an example to everybody around him. And when I think about a godly father, that's usually who I think of. You see, God wants to be your protector and your provider. No matter what your experience is, good or bad, just know that God, when He is labeled as a father, God is a perfect father. He's not haphazard. He's not miss, hit or miss. He's not good and bad. He's perfectly good in all His ways. And He wants to protect and provide for you as a father. Look with me at the last name that's given in this passage. It says, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. How many of us could use some peace in this season? How many of us look around and go, our culture could use some peace right now? Christ wants to be peace in your life. He wants to bring that to you. He wants to be that element of peace that brings you up and holds you and brings you the comfort that you need. He wants to be that peace, but you have to be willing to let Him in and to change your life in peace. He wants to be that Prince of Peace for you. 
We have all these things in Jesus. He is all these things. He is the Almighty God. He is the Wonderful Counselor. He is the Everlasting Father. He is Prince of Peace. But why does Isaiah 9 have this statement here? Why does he name off all of these things? We recognize it, but they had a hard time. Look with me at the verses before verse 6. So chapter 9, verse 1, or verse 2. Chapter 9, verse 2. The people walked or walking in darkness have seen a great light, and those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. This is a message of hope, isn't it? A people who are in deep darkness are now seeing a light. You see, the people of Isaiah's day did not have a good outlook on life. Things were not going well for the people of Isaiah's day. The nation was crumbling. Outside forces were coming in and destroying. There were threats. There were wars. And there was definitely not peace or comfort. This people desperately needed a message of hope. And we have that message of hope in the child that was born. We have Jesus. They didn't have him. They needed this message. They needed to know that coming sometime in the future was the hope that they longed for. You see, the child is born. And that child is the ultimate hope for our lives and for all of mankind throughout history. Jesus, as the Son of God, was the only one who could save us from the consequences of our sins. He, as the Son of God, as a perfect sinless man, He was the only one who could pay the price for the ways we had lived in disobedience to God. That child that was born was the greatest hope in all of history. Because kingdoms are going to come and go. Lives are going to come and go. Things are going to happen. They're going to go good. And things are going to go bad. But there's one thing that's eternal. And that is our hope in Jesus. And so we have this hope. And you can have this hope. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, He wants to bring hope into your life. And this is the season to ask Jesus if now is the time to begin that life-changing relationship with Him. And let me say this, if you don't know Jesus today and you've got questions about that, my name's Pastor Chad, I will be available to you right after the service. I'll be standing right out here in the foyer, come talk to me. I would love the opportunity in this Christmas season to talk to you about what a life-changing relationship with Jesus looks like please don't hesitate to come talk to me. Come to our living nativity tonight. Come see the birth of Jesus and ask the questions there. Come to our Christmas Eve service and see what the hope of Jesus looks like in that performance. But don't let the Christmas season pass you by without responding to what Jesus may be doing in your heart. Christian, follower of Christ, Jesus wants, to you, wants you to live in hope. He wants you to recognize Him as the wonderful Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. The question is this morning, this Christmas, will you live in those promises? Will you let Jesus 
counsel you? Will you let Jesus be the mighty God and everlasting Father in your life? Will you let Jesus take over your life so that He is the Prince of the peace that you so desperately need? Will you live that life? Why do we celebrate Jesus? Why do we celebrate Christmas? Because Christmas is the hope that Jesus brings. We have a hope this season that not many times during the year we can look at. Not the way we can at this time of year. That is why we celebrate Christmas. Because Christmas is the beginning of the greatest story of hope in all of history. The birth of our Savior. In the midst of all the celebrations and the presents and the food and the decorations, in the midst of everything you're going to do this season, don't forget why we celebrate Christmas. Don't forget the Savior that came as a child to die for your sins, to save you from the consequences of the sins and the rebellion that we all live in so that each and every one of us could be saved and spend eternity with Him. Will you join me in prayer? Almighty God, thank You. Thank You for Your Son. We don't deserve what He came and did. We don't deserve the present, the gift of Your Son. But You gave it because You love us so much. And Lord, we pray in this season that in that love that we would pursue You. That we would put all of the worldly things to the side and we would recognize that this season is about giving You the worship and the glory and the honor and the praise that You so rightly deserve. So Lord, in this season, for this week, and for weeks to come, help us to keep our eyes on Jesus and the life-changing hope that can only be found in Him. We thank You so much, Lord. We thank You for Your Son. And we pray all of this in His name, the name of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. We're going to now move into a time of response where we get to, to answer what God is calling on our hearts. Maybe you want to come to the front and pray. The altar is open to you. Uh, we invite you to come. Maybe you need to talk to someone this morning. I'll be available. I'm going to be right here at this front pew. If you need to talk with someone this morning, please don't hesitate to come and talk to me. Or come grab me at the end of the service out in the foyer. Again, I would love the opportunity to talk to you about what Jesus can mean in your life. Whatever your response, let's do that now. Let's stand and respond in the Christmas hope.